0: And I ask you this because we're in a series on the Lord's Prayer, and this morning we're going to be looking at this line, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And at its core, this prayer is asking God to lead us. And when we ask someone to lead us, it's kind of a two-part thing, isn't it? We say, "Um, lead me, and that means I trust you, I believe in you. And then it also means, so I commit to follow you. And when we commit to follow, it's not like we can choose this time or that time to follow. We follow all the time. I grew up about 30 minutes outside of Philadelphia. Um, And in this area, you were an Eagles fan by default. Um, You had no other choice unless you wanted to get picked on mercilessly by the Philadelphia Eagles fans. Um, Every other team is the enemy, especially the Dallas Cowboys. We bleed green. We know the Eagles' fight song by heart. In fact, you can walk down just about any street in Philadelphia and sing this line, Fly, Eagles, fly. And about 10 to 20 other people, I guarantee you, will start singing that song with you. Two years ago, we celebrated with them when they won their first Super Bowl ever. And then we booed them off the field when they were playing absolutely pathetically earlier this year but we are the only ones that are allowed to trash them. They are our team, whether they are good, great, or they are terrible. There is no room for fair weather fans in Philadelphia. And let me tell you something, it's even more so with God. And so every time we pray this prayer, Lord, lead us not into temptation. First and foremost, we are saying, Lord, lead me. And I will follow you. If you lead me to the mountaintop, I will follow you. If you lead me to the fire, God, I will go. If you lead me to trial or temptation, blessing or suffering, I will follow you. Church, it is a bold prayer to ask God to lead us. It's a surrender of our will to his. It's a confession of our vulnerability. Our need for him and a commitment to follow wherever he leads us. And so we pray, lead me, right? And he's a good and loving, compassionate leader who's proven himself worthy over and over and over again in our lives. Am I right? And even scripture says this, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Hear that, all things, at all times, because God is sovereign, because he is in control of everything. He works every situation For our good. Now you need to hear me on this because this verse is often misinterpreted. Our good is not wealth, health, and power. Our good is not so that you can live your best life now. This is not what God means at all. This is a very human perspective of what our good is. Our good in God's terms means becoming more like Jesus Christ. So in all things, we can trust that God is using every situation, every circumstance, everything as a way to change us, shape us, and mold us to be more like his son. And so that means trials, suffering, hardship, and even temptation are all being used to make you like Jesus for your good. Paul even tells us this in Romans 5. He says we rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And this is why we can say with certainty that James is not an absolute lunatic when he writes, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. He writes this because he knows that God is using all things for our good. And so we can look at this scripture this morning and we can get kind of confused, right? Right? Lord, lead us not into temptation. Well, does that mean that God's going to tempt us? Does that mean he's going to take us to be tempted? That doesn't seem fair, does it? Should we be trying to avoid it at all if he's trying to bring something good out of it? I mean, what does this mean for us? So I saw this great video I want to share with you guys this morning um, to help you understand how temptation might be used to teach us about perseverance and improve our character. So let's watch. You need them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, I love those kids. Like the one, the one, my favorite is the kid who kisses his marshmallow. <coughs> um, and the one kid thinks he can hold it in his mouth. Like, I'm, I'm just going to taste it, but I'm not going to eat it. Like, yeah, right. The other kids are picking little pieces off here. And they're like, I'm not eating the whole thing, Right. But that's what temptation is like for us, too, right, at a basic level. It's, what, it's right there in front of us. We want it. It looks so good. Maybe we could just take a piece. Maybe we could just smell it. But we know also that if we follow the leader's instructions, that something better is waiting for us. But sometimes it just looks so good, right? It's sitting right there. And it's Temptation. So congratulations, you guys get a free Greek lesson this morning. It's your prize for being here. In scripture, this, uh, it says, lead us not into temptation. We go to this next slide. The word for temptation is this in the Greek, perosmos. And this word can mean both temptation and trial. Both temptation and trial. So now, some people have tried to say, therefore, that Jesus wasn't saying, um, don't lead us to temptation. But he was saying, God lead us not to hardships or to sufferings or to trials. And some argue that Jesus clearly couldn't have been saying, lead us not into temptation because God would never do that. Right? Scripture interprets scripture. And James 1.13 clearly says that God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. But as we look at this scripture this morning, this prayer that Jesus has given us, I don't see that explanation in it. I see this word "perasmos" as the perfect word here. You see, a trial and a temptation can be the exact same thing. It depends on the motive of the one using it. God can and often does lead us to a trial to face temptation for our good, a way of strengthening our faith, building perseverance, and helping us to stand strong. But the enemy is going to use those same opportunities to try to steal your faith away, to weaken it through temptation. Jesus himself, it says in Scripture, was led by the Spirit to the desert to be tempted by the devil. But hear this. God didn't just drop him off there and abandon him, and he doesn't do that with you or me. He will always leave you an exit plan, a way out of the temptation and through the trial. And so often I'll hear people say this. The Bible says that God will never give you more than you can handle. False. The Bible doesn't say that at all. And in fact, God will often give you more than you can handle so that you learn to rely on him more. What the Bible does say in 1 Corinthians 10.13 is this, that no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And so God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can escape from. He will lead you to temptations, he will lead you to trials, but he will not leave you there. And he will always lead you through it if you will follow him. And so praying, God, lead us not into temptation, is like asking God, don't lead us to a place where we can't escape temptation. Don't lead us to a place where temptation can overtake us because we are dependent on you. We are dependent on your grace, your mercy, your leading to make sure that we don't fall away from you, that in sin we don't offend you, That we don't walk away from your plan for our lives. And we confess, God, that we can't do it on our own. So lead us and we will follow you. And so understand that even Jesus faced temptation. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet did not sin. Do you remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus is praying. This is the night before he's crucified. And he knows what's coming. And the scripture says that he is sorrowful and he is troubled. And he goes to the Father twice in prayer. And he says, if it is possible, God, may this cup pass from me. And then he says, yet... Not as I will, but your will be done. He's like, God, I know what's coming and I really don't want to go through this. Is there no other way? But God, if this is the only way, then lead me and I will follow you. And we fall into similar temptations too, don't we? We pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God says, okay, to get you from here to there, though, we're going to have to go through some stuff. We're going to be going through some valleys. We're going to be going through some trials. It's going to hurt. It's going to be draining. You're going to feel like giving up. But I promise you that if you follow my lead, I will honor that prayer. And then we go. Mm, I don't know God like my brother told me there was like this scenic route up on the mountain ridge that we could take to just kind of bypass this valley right like maybe like we could make a zip line you could just manifest one and we could glide right over this valley or a holy hang glider or something like do we really have to go that way God are you sure you know what you're talking about And we're tempted to stop following him, right? Or at very least to start doubting him. And then we try to make our own way because what? We think all of a sudden we know better? Let me tell you something, that is the devil's game. This is the same old game he's been playing since the beginning, it's temptation. Tempting you to take your eyes off of God, tempting you to stop following him, to cause you to doubt him. All the way back in the book of Genesis, at the fall of mankind, we see the enemy tempting Eve, twisting God's words to her, making her doubt. Did he really say that? You know he's just trying to keep all the power for himself, right? You go on and you do it your way. You could be just like him. And he's still up to the same tricks today, isn't he? Church, hear me. When you feel that pull of temptation, that urge to override what you know God has called you to do or not do, that is the enemy whispering in your ear. Did he really say that? Can you actually trust him? Man, that website's okay. You're not hurting anybody. You go on and take another drink. You've had a hard week. You deserve it. My friends, that's the enemy playing with you. And he's trying to steal your faith and affection away from God. Don't let him do it. Rely on the power of God and follow his lead. And so we see this truth that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And then the enemy will use those same opportunities to work against you. And remember, we said that trials and temptations can be the same thing. It just depends on the motive. Well, God uses trials to strengthen our faith. And the enemy will use those same things to tempt us away from God. It's the reason for the rest of the line in this prayer, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. And so I'll have to stop here real quick. A little side note. Ken urged me not to get too Baptist on you all here this morning. Um, and I promised him I wouldn't. Um, but would you mind if I brought in a little Pentecostal? I'm just, just kidding. Um, not much of that makes any difference to me. We just are all about reaching people for Jesus. Um, But in all seriousness, how often do we stop and recognize that there is a spiritual world? Like angels and demons, God and Satan. Because we go through life, we face struggles often. But how often do we stop and see the reality that there is a God working all things for our good. And there is a real, literal, spiritual enemy working to derail that plan? Even Paul warns us of this in Ephesians 5.12. He says, for our struggles are not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. (coughs) Paul says there are dark forces at work against you. There is a real battle in a real spiritual realm right now for your faith and your affections. And he goes on to this very familiar passage for many of us, right? He tells us to put on the armor of God. We know this, right? We've learned this in Sunday school. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the sandals of the readiness of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. And he says, because we're fighting against uh, evil forces in the spiritual realm, he says, take cover under the armor of God. And what does he say next? Go, charge, and fight Satan and his demons until they are no more, right? Nope. No, he says, stand firm and pray. Put on the armor of God. That is, this is God's armor. And then stand and pray. Pray. Don't engage the devil in battle. The battle is God's, and God has already kicked the devil's butt. Even the angels won't bother with him too much. Jude 9 says this, but even the archangel Michael, when disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare bring in a slanderous accusation against him, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. Jesus didn't seem to bother with him much either. In the desert, when he was being tempted, the devil came at him three times, and Jesus just threw scripture back in his face. And I'm not trying to belittle the temptations that Jesus faced, but, man, this is the Son of God, and he's like, Hey, Satan, like, I know you. You know me. You know how this goes, and you know that this does not end well for you. Take a hike, man. I'm here by the power of God. But we are not Jesus. We are not an archangel. And so we are told to stand and pray in the power of God against the enemy. We pray, deliver us from the evil one, because the battle belongs to the Lord. And we are depending on him to protect us. Again, admitting our vulnerability, committing to follow him. And hear me, he has already won. He has trampled the devil's plan on the cross when he died for our sins. When it looked like all hope was lost by his death, by him taking our punishment that we deserved and giving his life as a sacrifice for us, he died and rose victorious over death so that we who believe in him would live forever. And so we pray, God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're saying, Lord, lead me and I will follow you wherever you go. I need you to guide me. I need you to steer me clear of failing you and rescue me from the devil's schemes. And so, church, I ask you again this morning, are you following Jesus? Or are these words that we have just gotten really, really used to saying week in and week out? Are you committed to every day waking up and saying, God, I will follow you anywhere if you lead me? Mountains or valleys, blessing or suffering, God, if you are there, I will go. Are you loving like Jesus commands you to love? Are you serving others like he tells you to serve others? You know, someone used to say to me all the time, they said, show me your checkbook and your calendar and I'll tell you exactly what your priorities are. And so I ask you, are you following Jesus with your time and with your finances? If you are married here this morning, are you loving your spouse like Jesus commands you to love your spouse? Laying down your life for one another. If you have kids... Is your life showing your kids what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Or do they sit next to you and hear you pray this prayer week in and week out, and then throughout the rest of the days of the week see something completely different? And mark my words, I believe somebody here needs to hear this. I've heard it said, Standing in a garage no more makes you a car than standing in a church makes you a Christian. To be a Christian means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so if we are going to pray this prayer week in and week out, if we are going to ask God to lead us, then I pray that we are a church that says, God, lead us and we will follow you wherever you are willing to go. So let's pray. We're going to pray as God taught us um, and I just I ask that when we get to this line lead us, that we just pause for five seconds and reflect on what that means. And so let's pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.